Hello, 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 and welcome to the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast. In today's episode, myself and Jimmy Starr will be chatting about the most recent live show from Falling Star Wrestling. We were live and in action at the Outwell Village Hall on Saturday, the 28th of January, 2022. We also managed to catch up on the latest WWE show. Of course, it was the kickoff to the road to WrestleMania, the premier live event, the Royal Rumble 2022. Thanks for tuning in today. If you don't know, my name is Patrick Vincent Crown. I also go by PVC, and I'm also joined by my tag team partner in the Disaster Artists, Jimmy Starr. If you've yet to follow Falling Star Wrestling on Facebook, you can do so by liking our page at Falling Star Wrestling. There you can find pictures, videos, events, and updates all about our up and coming live shows. Our next live show is in Watlington on the 20th of February. More on that later on. Also, not to spoil anything, but the Falling Star Wrestling podcast has hit the big time. Listen out for a few commercial spots throughout the show. I think you'll like them. So, that's all the house cleaning done and dusted. Let's jump into today's episode, chatting about the Outwell Show and also WWE's Royal Rumble. So it was a big weekend for wrestling. There were two major shows and myself and Jimmy were here to talk about them. We'll get on to WWE's Royal Rumble in just a second, but Falling Star Wrestling returned to Outwell for Fight Night on Saturday. We had six matches and a jam-packed, raucous crowd. Jim, it was a good show, right? It was a hell of a show. And like you said, the crowd really made that show. It was a fantastic crowd. A, we were packed to the rafters. And B, they were loud. Really loud, um, plenty of families, plenty of kids, but also there seemed to be quite a lot of adults there too who were who were getting into the action. So it was, um, yeah, it was a really good show, really good feel all, all night long, you know, amongst the crowd and, and the wrestlers. And just we always get compliments at the end of the show and, and people always come up to us and, and say, you know, what a great show or whatever. But I think that's the show where people have come up to me most and, and really, really praised the show. And I had to shoot off to get my boy home too. So I don't know whether you had that as well. Did did you have quite a, quite a lot of people sort of giving decent feedback for the show? Yeah, I didn't speak to too many fans afterwards. Just uh, signed a few autographs, took a few pictures and, and had a little chat with, uh, with a few regulars and stuff like that. But, you know, everybody uh, looked like they were smiling. You know, people were happy to take pictures of the wrestlers and sticking around. And you can tell if a crowd is enjoying the show just by how they're reacting to the wrestling inside the ring. And obviously we only got to experience it in our match, but we were sitting in the corridor at times. You could hear the crowd from, from the locker room as well. I've watched a few videos and you can really tell that the crowd was enjoying the matches and well they were just happy to be there so yeah Outwell is a is a hot crowd for sure and and our match quality as well you know not just us but in terms of the the whole show and and the and the guys that we're using at the moment the the match quality seems to be getting better every time I mean putting on I'd say you know if it's, especially for the past sort of five years we've been putting on shows that have been quite high in quality anyway um, in terms of the wrestling, but everyone now has just really seemed to up their game. And, and to be on a falling star wrestling card, you you know, it's not like it sort of used to be when we first started and we were trying to build our brand. We've now got a, a really good reputation. Our brand is obviously always building. You always want to sort of build on top of what you got. You know, you can never settle. But just the quality of wrestling that, that I did manage to see, the little clips I did manage to see from the first match with, with Crowley and Jaden Scar and from Callie Gray and, and, and Dark Wolf. Well, I don't think we can really go in depth with the reviews of, of the match of, the, of this show because we, we didn't really get, unfortunately, get a chance to see it out well. It's probably 
one problem with that will is it's one of the worst venues to be able to actually watch matches from if you're a talent like you've got to sort of just be backstage plus it was fucking freezing outside so we couldn't peer in the window and you know and have a little bit of a little bit of a ganders that way um we didn't really get to see the the show that night um, but like you say the little clips that we have seen and a few of the full matches i did, did see were just which is so good in quality um, that it was a it makes me proud, but b you know it gives the the people that come and watch the punters that come and watch the actual show reason to come back because you know they're paying that show they're paying a tenner a pop to come in for that show. I think lasted about two hours fifteen minutes with a you know with a fifteen minute interval, so a two hour show and they're getting high quality entertainment and they're absolutely eating it up. They're loving it. I, I just think that, you know, I can't think of a better way for a family to spend an evening and bond and, and just be able to let their hair down and, and go crazy for a couple of hours and out well. And everywhere we go these days, but out well the other night, just they, they really did seem to do that. That was fantastic. I think as well with the Falling Star Wrestling product, Loyal fans are often kind of rewarded by these sort of storylines that kind of go from week to week, from a Westland to an Outwell, you know, onto a Watlington and then back to a Westland. They don't ever feel like it's the same match over and over again. We're, we're weaving these stories, but in the same vein as well, the matches are quite unique and they are standalone in themselves as well. We're not doing just kind of purely story-based because I'm sure a lot of people that came to Outwell were there either for the first time or only come to the Outwell show. So they don't know every wrestler inside out. They don't know every storyline inside out. They don't know who's you know allied with another person. They don't know who's tagging up. They don't know who's good, who's bad. So the wrestlers still need to go out there and perform as they would if it was the, the first time they'd seen them. So I think that's a really good thing as well. We're, we're weaving storylines whilst also keeping it good for the kind of casual fan, do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, that's an incredibly hard thing to do when you're booking it. I mean, I have to say, it is a bit of a nightmare. But yeah, you're right. We've got, especially with the Westland shows where we go to the same venue every month, they need and we need to learn the art and craft of telling stories um, so that they can, so that they have a reason to come back to see what's going to you know, what's going to progress, telling stories as an art form. But like you say, something like Outwell, where we go maybe twice a year, a lot of those guys are going to just wait until we come around to their to their neck of the woods and, and get their wrestling fixed twice a year um, and just actually enjoy the wrestling. So, yeah, it, it is hard when we do our sort of uh, bigger shows and we go to, you know, the different towns and villages, you know, in our, in our sort of remit to fulfill the needs of the our regular fans who know the wrestlers maybe have seen a matchup between two guys that we're putting on that show quite a few times before but also please the fans who are who are just coming to have a, a good night of wrestling you, you know you can alienate one by putting on the the same stuff that they've seen before and you can alienate the other by doing stuff that's purely storyline driven and they don't understand what's going on. So it's a, it is a very difficult balance there that you, that you have to get with the booking, but with the experience that myself and Matt have got over the years through, through booking these shows and also the fact that our fans are very loyal, we, we seem to have sort of not mastered the art, but we seem to be getting better at being able to have that balance on each show, a little bit of storyline, 
a lot of good wrestling and a lot of varied kind of matches as well. So people who, you know, because even on, even just on a show basis, if you've got six matches and they're all the same, people are going to get bored. So the, the matches have to be varied too. So, you know, that's another third thing that you've got to put into the, into the pot there, you know, is storyline, varied matches and quality matches. And it's quite hard to, to balance I think that everyone who comes gets a little bit, a little bit of what they want, and as long as they include the fans that are there, it, it can work. So you're right; it is, it's, it's definitely a juggling act. But I think everyone, everyone recently has been coming away happily. So good. So we kicked off the show with a bit of a promo segment. We had Crowley and Mitch Basher of the NLP. They came down to the ring. Uh, Mitch Basher has got his voice back. He's very much in charge. He ran down the events of the uh, the Westland show where I was absent, and he had to tag with yourself basically saying you know Crowley uh, I'm glad to have you back we're here to fight we want to you know take our anger out on everybody so out comes Jaden Scar he talks about his experiences with CW Davies and the Falling Star Wrestling title uh, of course CW Davies wasn't there on the night so the NLP attacked Jaden Scar before the match started but eventually the referee manages to get the leader of the NLP out of the ring and sends him back to the uh, locker room so then we have our first match which is Crowley versus Jaden Scar Crowley uh, worked on Jaden's knee for most of the match but Jaden manages to make a big comeback nails the pedigree and picks up the win now we were kind of sitting in the I guess corridor sort of watching this match whilst kind of limbering up and getting changed and sorting out a few bits and bobs so we managed to see most of this match which from my perspective was a great match but unfortunately uh, there was a moment in the ring where we were like uh we're not quite sure what happened and I think at one point Jaden he's he's hurt his knee I don't think it's too disastrous at the moment but we were a little bit concerned when he came back to the dressing room but I've not spoken to him since but he was walking around after the event so I'm just hoping he put plenty of ice on it and uh, is, is back mobile again so Jim your thoughts well I, I have managed to text him obviously and I sort of you know follow up to see if he is okay and thinks it's just a sprain and you know even though it's still a bit sore He's just going to keep me updated with, with with things as it goes along, but he doesn't think it's serious. Um, you know, for those guys who don't know out there, Jaden has had a history of knee injuries, and one in particular which completely destroyed his knee. Really, so he, you know, anything that sort of revolves around Jaden's knees and is is always a worry. Um, and he did legitimately hurt his knee in the match, um, you know, right at the end. So, you know, the match flowed really well. It was a really good babyface heel match. Just what you want to open the show. The crowd were hot. No one in the match missed a beat. They both wrestled like they should do. You know, Crowley's the big, tall, heavy, monstrous creature from the swamp. And Jaden Scar's like, you know, the sort of intense, um, you, know, he's, you know, he's definitely got more mobility He's got a lot more spring in his step and it's just an extremely good, extremely good baby face and a local as well. You know, he's only only from down the road, as are you. So you're, you're a local to that area too. The fact that he got such a huge baby face reaction and uh, the start of the match was good as well. The old classic start where the, the NLP jump him. Um, and Mitch Basher gets sent to the back. That's a good pop for the referee. I think if there was any criticism of the match, it would, be, it would have been good if the referee would have got a bit more physical and involved, pulled Mitch Basher away and actually physically more or less pushed him away and told him to get out the back. You know, I don't think it would have taken anything away from Mitch because he was in a psychological 
with that match was real and a referee was trying to regain control and that person wasn't listening, um, you would have to get physical, pull him away at least and tell him to fuck off out the back and be really firm about it. So a little bit more firmness from the referee on that particular scenario. I think he was just waiting for his cue to tell him to go away rather than actually sort of just getting immersed in it and then throwing him backstage so they could... Crowley and, and Jaden Scar could carry on their singles match and, and not have Mitch Basher around, which was the point, you know. That didn't really matter. When Mitch Basher did get sent back, there was a nice big pop. Jaden got a nice big shine, and it was right at the end of the match, I believe, that Jaden hurt his knee. So, obviously, it's fucking, it's a shame you know, it's it's hopefully he'll be he'll be he'll be better soon, and you know, the wrestlers' safety is paramount. But it didn't do anything to the match really, aside from just ending a touch suddenly. The crowd were ready for the ending; they were ready for Jaden to win, and it got a really big pop. So that's one of the two matches I saw that night that, that I wasn't in. It was a really, really cool opener, and uh, yeah, I thank both guys for it because it, it worked really well. Yeah, we were wondering who to put on first, and we normally kind of kick off with a with a big, exuberant character, and it was like, well, do we go with Sassy versus Furio? Do we go with Mitch versus Tommy? Because we know Mitch can go out there and kind of get the crowd going, but then, you know, when you see Jaden Scar out there, you know that he's just going to go out there, whip the crowd into a frenzy, and I think the thing with, with Jaden that he does, and he's such a, a good babyface in this way, that he's... In, in a way, he's quite sort of selfish with his shines. And I think that is always quite good for the crowd because like, they want to see, you know, that baby face going out to beat up that big heel. He doesn't often get like long drawn out heats on him, which I think is always exciting to see. So you can kind of watch a match back and be like, okay, yeah, Jaden, like he takes his spots and he does his stuff. You know, he, he will sell and he, he, will, he will take the heat and stuff. But like, I quite appreciate that because I think a lot of people sort of fall into a, a formula of like, all right, the baby face starts off off on top then the heel goes for a long sort of extended heat with a few little bits of um sort of shine in there but i think Jaden mixes it up a little bit and i think that's really really clever because not many other falling star wrestling baby faces do that or not many baby faces at all so he keeps himself alive really really well other than just kind of shots to the gut or you know the occasional run off to the ropes and get back elbowed he's always kind of there alive and i think that's why the crowd have such an affinity to Jaden. and yeah it's just really unfortunate that he um the busted his knee but um, we went on to match number two. This was a tag team match. We've got the the Rashwood plan. I'm not sure what their tag team is called yet. Maybe they're still working on that. But that is um, George Rashwood and Bobby Adams. They was up against Joey Garcia. He came down to the ring and then he had a secret tag team partner, which was the returning Jack Landers. Big pop. Everybody wanted to see Jack back and it's great to see him back in the ring. These guys didn't hang around. They got right to the action with Garcia getting up on Rashwood, which was good. Um, Adam comes in with a slingshot spear, takes control. They did a bit of heat. They did the right thing in a tag team match, drawing the ref away, getting the heels over with their cheating. I did want to see a bit more attitude from Rashwood and Adams. I want to see a bit more viciousness. I want to see a bit more, give me something to kind of clench onto, but they're a new team and they're still finding their feet. But I do like that pair of Rashwood and Adams. 
you know, outside of uh, our gimmick because, you know, later on they come and beat us up, which I don't like. Uh, the crowd actually seemed to be behind Joey, which was good because it was a hot crowd. He didn't have to do a lot. They were there with him. And um, after some heat, Joey gets the hot tag to Jack, who cleans house. Nice to see Jack hasn't lost a single step. Furio comes out to grab Landers and removes him from the match to make it two on one. Adams and Rashwood hit a combination finishing move. It's a running knee with a leg sweep for the win. If there was a bit of a kind of, I guess, a negative thing, when Furio came out and grabbed Landers, the referee was watching, which in my book would be a disqualification. But you know, they kind of covered it. The crowd wasn't too upset about that. And then, you know, Rashwood and Adams get the win. I think it was a much needed win for those guys. They're now two on the trot. They're heading into that kind of tag team division that we've now put together in Falling Star Wrestling, you know, with the Disaster Artists, the NLP, the UKP, and now Rashwood and Adams. They've sort of cemented themselves in there with with a couple of wins. You didn't see this match, right, Jim? I didn't see it at all, no. Uh, all I heard was obviously the conversation in the back afterwards, you know, and obviously Jack coming to me at the start of the show saying, is there any way you can fit me in? And I said, well, I didn't know your wrist was better because basically this was Jack's returning match from quite a long, long-term wrist injury. He's had quite a nasty injury. He's been off uh, since last year. There was talk of maybe potentially having surgery and, you know, all this sort of stuff. So, but I think he's been feeling better. He did a seminar the day before um, and he helped out quite a lot with the training before the show on out well on, on the Saturday. So I think he probably felt during the day that he could probably do something. But I said, do you really want to return this way? Is this the way you want to do it? And he said, yes. You know, he's had a bit of a think about it. And he said, yes. And obviously he he worked out a way to do it. But again, it's smart just for the sense that they just gave Jack the comeback to see how probably his wrist felt. I'm sure he did some quite impressive stuff. And I'm sure that, it, you know, it got a nice big pop from the crowd when Jack got that big tag in again not watching it but for me in terms of just serving a few masters we're, we're trying to create a bit of a tag team division in, in Falling Star Wrestling Rashwood and, and Bobby Adams need to be part of that so they need matches they're going to be a bit sort of uh, rusty and maybe disjointed and you know and, and not quite as vicious at, at the start but uh, Rashwood's promos are really good at the moment He's hitting, his, he's hitting his promos nice and the Rashford plan is a good idea because people want to see what the next step of that is going to be and obviously working with us and, and the UKP and the NLP over the past few months has got them into the fold as well. They've got a good foundation and a good start. There's going to be things they need to improve on but again, I can't clarify or deny but I trust your judgment implicitly but yeah, it served a few masters. It got Jack back in the ring to see whether he could do something bigger at future events. It gave Joey Garcia a match, and I think he's like quite local as well. It also gave the, the let's call them the Rashford plan, a match and a win, even if it was dodgy or a little bit odd or off. So, Shawnee, it's finally happened. The Falling Star Wrestling podcast has enough listeners, and people are interested in advertising on our shows. What do you think about that? That's pretty cool. Does that mean we get, like, cash and stuff? It means we do get cash. It means we get cash. And it means that these fine new companies, they're going to be able to get some new listeners, hopefully some new business, and it's going to work well for everyone. So anyone who uh, wants to advertise with us on the Falling Star Wrestling podcast, please get in touch on the Facebook page. But without further ado, 
Should I introduce our first sponsor? Well, you sorted out the deal, so yeah, you should have the honour of uh, reading it out. Well, let me paint a picture beforehand. Let me paint a picture. We've all tried dieting. I know I have. I should imagine 90% of the first world country has tried dieting, and it's very difficult to lose weight. Wouldn't you agree, Sean? Totally, yeah. Extremely difficult to lose weight, and at the end of the day, we can exercise, we can go to the gym. You know, Atkins diet was a popular one for a while there. There's a million diets out there. Some work for some, and some are extremely difficult to stick to. But this one, Shawnee, I can tell you now, 100% that people are gonna stick to. So, from our new partners here at the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast, this is Thripney Bits. There's a new company out there called Thripney Bits, and they are run by a dietitian called Mr. Max Borg. Now, Max Borg has written a book, and he is guaranteed 100% that if you read this book and you follow the instructions, you will lose weight. Now, this book is called Eat What You Want, Just Don't Swallow It. Now, the object of this book is, is, I mean, I suppose it's in the title, but he's going to break it down into great detail. The idea is cake, crisps, pork scratchings, steak, mushrooms, chips, waffles, beans, chocolate, anything that's bad for you, anything that your heart desires. Because, I mean, Shawnee, well, what's your bad thing that you like to eat on a, on a, on, maybe on a, not on a regular basis, but something that you've always avoided eating? Uh, well, all of the things you just mentioned there, cake, crisps, chocolate, beans, uh, I'll eat them all, all at once. All at once. Now, according to this book, which, again, I flicked through it front to back, it is a great read. It's fantastic. It is five pages long. It is an amazing book and it tells you exactly what to do. You put all that stuff in your mouth, you chew it, you get the flavor. The flavor will hit that tongue there, the texture will hit your mouth. But the trick is, Shawnee, the trick is, the trick is to lose the weight, is to not swallow it. You spit that motherfucker out as soon as you've got your full enjoyment from that bite. Spit it out and then grab yourself another big spoonful of chocolate gato there and stick it in that gob of yours and chew it and chew it and chew it until your heart desires and spit it out. Now, I know what you're thinking. Very, very messy. Very, very messy. You couldn't do that in a restaurant, could you? You can go to a restaurant, a nice big gourmet restaurant with your girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just trying to imagine it there. Like, you know, just going to a restaurant, eating and, and spitting all over the place. No, you can't be doing that, can you? Because what's going to happen? You're going to get chucked out at your favourite restaurant. You're not going to be able to take your dates there. You're not going to be able to take your, your, your mum and dad there. You're not going to be able to take prostitutes there. You're going to get kicked out. So what they've done is, is they've offered us a special promotional package. All you've got to do is go onto their website Type in, eat what you want, but just don't swallow it, forward slash falling star wrestling podcast, and you get the full set. Not only do you get the book, you get a spittoon, a free spittoon, ladies and gentlemen. So if you're secretly sitting there and you're eating a bit of swine rind, you're eating a big old piece of cake, like I said earlier on, you're digging into a big old bacon sandwich or whatever, and you're in a cafe, and you don't want anyone to see that projectile chewed food dribbling down your face or on your plate you don't have to do it you can conveniently spank spit bang straight into your spittoon and when it's full just just walk gently over to a bin pour it in and start again it's a self-perpetuating eater's paradise sean and i want to thank these guys for sponsoring our podcast because i tell you what 
I've been trying this diet now for the past week and I've lost over eight stone. Wow, eight stone. Unfortunately, it's given me a bit of alopecia. My psoriasis is quite bad and I'm not sleeping very well. But I have to say, diet-wise, it's fantastic. So if you want to lose weight, then eat what you want, but don't swallow it. That is the way to go. So as I said, eat what you want, but won't swallow it.com forward slash FSW podcast for the full set. It is actually free. So you won't be getting a discount, but you will be getting the free spittoon for the excess food. So eat what you want, but don't swallow it.com. Check it out now, ladies and gentlemen. Match number three was a match you mentioned earlier. This was the Dark Wolf Matt Waters versus Callie Gray. Now, first of all, Callie is over that. The crowd were really hot for Callie Gray. Now, unfortunately, I didn't watch this match live. I've only watched hard cam footage back. But as soon as he kind of came out to the ring, big pop, big cheer. And, you know, the crowd have not taken long to warm up to the Black Rose because he's recently kind of turned babyface. He was heel a lot of um, 2021. Towards the end of 2021, he kind of uh, transitioned to this babyface. I think he's still getting into that role a little bit which is good uh the match in terms of sort of uh quality what can you say about Kelly Gray versus Matt Waters like it was a little bit different from all the other matches which you know you want to see bit of tech bit of crowd work plenty of chops plenty of strikes a little bit of back and forth it was quite a long heat which made the match feel a little bit long so f- so from my kind of perspective it probably should have been trimmed uh, a little bit I think it was about a 15 minute long match and when you've got a kind of a long extended heat I think they could kind of wear on people but again I, I watched this from from cam footage, I wasn't there in the crowd. I couldn't kind of feel what the crowd were thinking, but a couple of big moves right at the end. Matt hits the Death Valley driver. Callie kicks out. Callie nails the Meteora, which which just looks fantastic. Like when he just nails that off the top rope, those two knees clash into Matt's head. It always makes for a really good visual. And if you can get the right picture, it just looks sweet as a nut. Then he hits the underhook pile driver, which I'm guessing is Callie's new kind of finishing maneuver. Big win for Callie over Matt. Quite a methodical match. Lots of heat a little bit long but um i love those guys and i would want to see that match 10 times over yeah so that was one of the matches i saw live i thought it was superb i mean i I could sort of see why there would be quite a long drawn out heat because again we're trying to make callie a baby face so we need to give him some sympathy and because he's quite a new baby face she needs to really work on getting the crowd on his side now because we were working in front of a hot crowd that wasn't particularly hard that particular night. But, you know, it could be somewhere down the line. You know, he still dresses in black. He still, I know he's called the Black Rose. I get that. And he's still got a very alternative look. Say he was to come out first because he was in a championship match or something like that. You could still mistake him for a heel. And I think that he, he just needs a fair bit more boosting to be up there with, with one of the top baby faces. He's definitely one of the top wrestlers in Falling Star Wrestling. Um, he's an amazing athlete. Matt's an amazing athlete, but he's also an amazing heel. And I think that by getting the rub off of Matt and, and you know, Callie Gray going over, it's a big victory for him and will give him that little step up each time. You know, I mean, I can't fault the effort that they put in. It was a strong style of match. Both of those guys don't mind smacking the shit out of each other. Um, and also both of those guys can do every move under the sun. They didn't, but they, you know, they can do every move under the sun. But Matt's obviously extremely experienced and he's a really good storyteller and I, and I just think that that long he even though it I think the reason it probably seemed boring is because it was quite a long first half 
And we wanted to fucking get out there as well and just do our main event and probably go home and, you know, all these things to the crowd. It did seem a bit long, but when Cali started getting his comebacks in and the forces started happening, you could sort of half see why Cali needs sympathy at the moment and he needs to learn how to gain sympathy. And the way he's going to do that is sell. And I think because... Callie's such an amazing athlete, an amazing wrestler. I haven't seen him on any of his other shows, but I think he tends to get booked by, you know, independent shows who do a lot of sort of uh, new style wrestling. And and that's not what necessarily what Fallen Star Wrestling is about. We incorporate it into our product because we know that people like it. But mainly we try and keep ourselves fairly, fairly traditional in the sense of a baby face heel dynamic. Um, and to be a good baby face, you've got to be good at selling. I just think that maybe Matt added a, a decent amount of heat there to try and get Callie some sympathy. So I think they're sort of down the road a little bit. You know, that's what Callie's not weak point is because he's not bad at it. I mean, he got a good reaction and it was all fine. But if he has a weak point, Callie, um, as a baby face, it's just getting that sympathy and not rushing. And I think Matt slowed it down, which might have made it seem a bit methodical in the middle there. But the beginning, the end, the falsies, fucking really good. And, and like I said, you know, Matt for me is is firing on all cylinders at the moment. I mean, I think he's, he, he's the best I've ever seen him in terms of his in-ring and his, his character work. He's got that shortage character, which is getting on everyone's tits and it's great. He's that source fucking up his own ass, cocky, arrogant heel, which works well. And Callie Gray's work is, again, is second to none. Um, he just needs to, if maybe being a baby face is just a, a touch new to him in the falling star wrestling environment. And as you know, in the falling star wrestling environment, I like my baby faces to be baby faces and to be able to get sympathy and to sell everything and no wasted movement and all that sort of shit. It was a great match. It was one of them, as I said, I saw it live. That was worth the price of admission. I think that was, I mean, I didn't see the others, so I can't say it was match of the night, but it would have taken an extremely good match to, to beat that one. We had the intermission after match number three. Then we came back for match number four. Mitch Basher defeats Tommy Lawrence. Then we had match number five, which was the Sassy Bear. Clarence versus Furo. Uh, Clarence goes over on that one. Did you see either of those, Jim? No, unfortunately I didn't. I know that um, backstage, Furio and, and Clarence seemed pretty happy with how it went. Um, I heard the crowd... The crowd seemed thoroughly entertained. They love Sassy. They love him. Um, they love. They absolutely fucking love him. You know his character, um, his entrance music, the whole thing. You know, they, and I said to him at the end of the night, I said, "Don't for whatever reason, until people are so sick of your character, don't just have this idea of turning heel or." Especially with us, don't approach me in, in in the next fucking five years and say I want to turn heel because <laughs> I will fucking you know I will cry. It's just working so well, um, and people love him. But, you know, people always come up to me. Oh, I love the sassy bear. When's the sassy bear going to be on? Or when this, is the sassy bear here tonight? You know, people just love him, and 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 it's great. Furio is obviously you know a huge nucleus like yourself of Fallen Star Wrestling. His character is is evolving a little uh, quite nicely. Got a good look. He's, he knows what he's doing in there. Um, so I can't see it being a bad match. Mitch Basher versus Tommy Lawrence. I think Mitch was pleased with it. I think Tommy was a little bit upset with a few missed spots, maybe, and stuff like that. But the crowd again seemed to enjoy it. They uh, Mitch said they had the crowd. Uh, Mitch, being the more experienced wrestler, I think is is more interested in get making sure that the 
the crowd are happy rather than a few missed spots. I think Tommy is obviously, you know, he's a fantastic wrestler, fantastic athlete. He, he obviously goes out there and tries his absolute hardest every time, which is totally admirable. But sometimes you just got to get into your head that, you know, if you fuck something up, you fuck something up. If the crowd are there, then that's the main thing. As long as no one's hurt and as long as it wasn't like the finish or something totally vital, never mind, it is what it is. And, um, you know, so it was a sort of a tale of two different tapes, really. I, I didn't see the match. I would have to watch the match. But I just think it was a different style to what Mitch was used to, a bit of a different style to what Tommy was used to. Again, he liked independent British wrestler, and I think a lot of the independent British scene now is based on very fast-paced, spot-based wrestling, which Falling Star isn't necessarily. It's more, it, it can be. Some matches are, because that's what people enjoy, but... You know, not every match needs to be like that. So maybe Mitch needed to pull his vet card out a little bit and just be a little bit firmer and say, no, this ain't going to work. Just get over with this and this rather than do this, this, this and this because it's, it's, it's too much. Do you know what I mean? And I'll forget it. I know I will. But you know how giving Mitch can be. So he probably wanted to try and give Tommy everything he possibly could and uh, maybe a slight clash there. But I don't know. I haven't seen it. I can't comment. It's just on the, the feeling of the wrestlers when they came back. That was match number four and five. Then we went to the main event, which featured the UK Pitbulls versus myself and Jimmy Starr, the disaster artists. Now this wrestled to a no contest after the NLP caused interference. Then Rashwood and Adams joined the party. NLP take care of Jimmy and hit me with their sister Abigail knee. The UK Pitbulls get to their feet, help us out a little bit, hit a tandem choke slam on Bobby Adams. Then the disaster artists grab Rashwood and deliver a codebreaker German suplex to send the audience home happy. Now, there was a lot that happened before that, but um, that's kind of the roundup of the match and we can get into the nitty gritty right now. Yeah, I mean, it was fine. I mean, it, when you wrestle the pit bulls, there's a few things that, you know, that got on your, on, on your side, really. I don't think the pit bulls have been out well. So just the actual, the sight of the guys, you know what I mean? Because they're, they're so, so big, especially the bulk. When they come out, they get that instant, oh, pop because they're not the normal sort of people you'd see on the street, you know? It's always easy, even before you touch, getting that reaction. Uh, when we came out, I think we came out to quite a good pop. Um, you know, you're, like I said, you're fairly local to the area. It seemed pretty loud to me. You know, everyone seemed interested in giving us high fives and fist bumps and whatnot. And so that was cool. The match itself was very, very typical sort of big team, small team match. I took a bit of a beating off bulk and then you came in, took a, did a bit of a shine with Big Dave, kept jumping on his neck, stuff that made sense, kept trying to choke him down, jump on his back, give him a sleeper, but he was charged to the corner. Then you jump on his back again and I think you did a little bit of a spot and um, then we did a bit of a double team with, uh, with, with Big Dave where we got him down with a bulldog and then there was a blown spot, which was my fault. Um, where uh, Mike was, um, Big Mike Bulk was meant to come in, swing with the double clotheslines. We were meant to give him a kick, hit the ropes and bulldog. Um, I forgot about ducking the lines, but then I remembered halfway through the kick. So I sort of kicked him in the, in the knee, basically, while she ran under a clothesline and the spot was abandoned. We went in at the heat. I eventually tagged you in. We got a little bit of a shine in. I hit Dave with a cutter. Um, big bulk hadn't been off his feet because he's so huge. How can you get a man mounting like that off his feet? You gave him a drop kick. I gave him three clotheslines whilst you were making your way to the top. 
you hit him with a top rope missile drop kick. You felt the floor. And just before you could cover him, because you were a legal man, like you say, the NLP ran out, hit me with their baseball bat, performed their double team on you. And then Rashwood and Bobby Adams came out like the cowards they are after they knew that we were down and put the boots to us. But then as the pit bull started to re-emerge and wake up, the NLP were smart enough to spot the fact that they needed to get the fuck out of the ring because the sleeping giants awoke. But unfortunately for them, Bobby Adams and George Rashford weren't. So Bobby Adams took one hell of a double choke slam and we gave Rashford our own little bit of justice with our finisher, which is the co-breaker German suplex, which we need to think of a name of. We've now got two very defined heels and two very defined babyface tags. Was it a great match in terms of wrestling? No, but was it a good match for the crowd? Um, you know, as an eyesore, did it tell a half-decent story? Um, and did we send the punters own happy? Yes. I think we set out to achieve a couple of things. We wanted to go out there and we wanted the the UKP to kind of lean a little bit in terms of being a little bit more heelish in that match and then kind of turn around and be baby faces when they left. We achieved that. We wanted to do something that not a lot of tag teams do because we knew we weren't going to go out there and win. We weren't going to go and bump them around. But in my mind, I thought if we can achieve getting that visual aspect of getting the bulk on the floor down, then there was a chance that we could win it. And I think we achieved that as well. Like you said, we achieved the the two heel tag teams in the Rashwood plan and the NLP versus the two big babyface tag teams in the Disaster Artists in the UKP. And hopefully somewhere further down the line, you know, we can do a big schmoz of an eight-man tag and just have lots of kind of carnage and chaos. And I, I very much look forward to that. But in terms of the match, I, I quite enjoyed it. It was quite fun for me because it didn't feel like there was a lot of pressure on it. It just sort of felt like I didn't have to do loads of running spots and loads of high flying stuff and I knew I wasn't going to take the heat. Sorry about that, Jim. And just went out there and we did what we do best. We go out there, we get a big pop, we get the crowd riled up and then, you know, bulk threw his jacket at us and I was I put it on and I was going to prance around and you just said, hey, let me get in it too because obviously Bulk's a, a, a giant mammoth man and we both got in his jacket. That got a big pop. You know, I did my spots in the ring. Uh, I jumped on Dave's back. I was licking his head, which was really, really soft. So for me, it was just kind of just fun. Like I, I didn't get beaten up. I didn't get squashed. I didn't get crushed. And I just had uh, a little bit of fun. Yeah, there was a few kind of blown spots, but like probably nobody would have mentioned it had we not just said it in, in the podcast. And that's the thing about wrestling is like, you will always have blown spots and people will only know about them when you tell them that there was a blown spot. It was a one little minute thing where you forgot to duck a clothesline, but you kicked bulk in the knee. Like that's, that's the move. It's not as if you, you froze and did nothing. And then you got bundled in the corner and they, we just went on to the next thing. It's like, who cares? Like <laughs> it's a wrestling match. We covered it and we got and on with it. Who gives a shit? Yeah, no, it wasn't the end of the world. It wasn't like a match was based on that particular duck clothesline. It was what I wanted from that match, like I said to you before, and I just want two, because we've got four tag teams now, I just want, you know, without obviously people coming in here and there, and we'd probably have to, you know, put a few people together so that a few of us can get some wins without actually touching the, the nucleus of the, of the four tag teams there. But we've got two very defined heels and baby faces in our, in our little tag division now. People are 
starting to pick their favourites and get on board. And that's, that's what I want. So now going forward, we can work with that and tell some good stories out of that. So it was just a, just a way to start off a platform for future matches because I think not not that anyone was probably really thinking about it, you know, when the UKP turn up, people like to see them. When we wrestle, people like to see us. But I think it was a bit more about getting uh, Rashwood and Bobby Adams into that fold of the tag teams there and actually saying, right, this is what they are, this is who they are, and... This is where they are in, 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 in the scheme of things now. They're very much involved in the tag team division and they're very much bad guys. So, you know, there's no confusion about that anymore. That's that's what we want. So if we go on to wrestle them now, there shouldn't be any confusion as to who is the good guy and who is the bad guy and we can tell our stories from there. So it worked out nice. Again, good match for for, for the casual fans to see. For the spectacle of the UKP um, and a good match for the, for the guys who follow Falling Star Wrestling because now they have got a little extra chapter in, into the tag team division story. You know? Definitely. So that was Outwell, a great show, a packed show, a rocker show. Uh, shall we move on to WWE show, the Royal Rumble? Yeah, I just want, before I just want to say thank you to the guys at the uh, Outwell Village Hall. They, you know, they're always very good, very nice, very accommodating. Thank you to the uh, people who come to watch. Um, I, I also found out that that night there was a uh, big football um, party event type thing going on in Outwell. So the fact we still managed to pack the place out despite half the village not not being there doing something else is, is even more remarkable. So thank you to the guys and the families and, and the kids and the adults who, who came to the show and enjoyed it. And a big thank you, huge thank you, obviously, to any of the talent. Um, I don't just mean wrestlers, um, just anyone who made that show possible from Joe who does the merch and Dan who does the merch and the guys who do the music and Shane who does the music, Connor who does the music, you guys um, and everyone else for setting up because, again, it's all, all a team effort and I feel that Fallen Star Wrestling is really gaining some traction at the moment. We haven't had a bad show for a long, long time now but in terms of people turning up. We've had some that are better than others. More often than not, they're pretty packed. Let's just hope we have the same, if not more, people turn up to, to Watlington to come and watch us there. Hey guys, PVC here for a quick interruption. Falling Star Wrestling is live in Watlington on Sunday 20th of February. Please note that this show is indeed on a Sunday afternoon with an earlier than usual starting time. The doors open at 4.30 with the action kicking off at 5.30pm. If you can't make it to that one, be sure to join us the weekend after at Westlin on Saturday 26th of February for our monthly Westlin event. And now, back to the show. We kicked off the Royal Rumble with the Universal title match, which was Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins. I guess they're playing on a storyline where Seth is sort of trying to play with the whole shield thing, which I thought was a cool little trick. He came down with their entrance music. He came from the crowd. He's giving it the, the kind of laughing at, at Roman Reigns, which made him seem a bit healy. But it was setting up a nice story for the match with the Usos were banned from ringside and actually gave the impression that Roman Reigns could actually lose the title because I think that's been a thing in these universal title matches where, you know, he'll go up against a Finn Balor and you're like, mm, is Finn Balor really going to win? He'll go up against another person 
person like a Cesaro and you're like, it was a great match, but is Cesaro really going to win? But at least kind of with Seth Rollins, they gave the impression that he could win. I think this match kind of lacked from the you know, the perspective of they didn't set up the match like they normally do. You know, before most uh, WWE title matches or you know universal title matches, they normally have a video package which kind of sets the story. But Unfortunately, they didn't have one for this. So they were relying a lot on the commentary team. And I, I don't know if you know this, Jim, but like in movies, there's a thing called like, it's called show, don't tell. You'd rather show the audience, you know, if, if a person is meant to be crazy or maniacal or evil or good or happy, you should show them being happy or evil or maniacal or whatever. Don't just say off camera or a conversation between two people say, oh, that person's crazy because you don't get to see what type of crazy you can't sort of tell the history of somebody just by saying it. And I, th I feel like this didn't really benefit from that because the commentators basically had to sort of spoon feed a lot of people. But that was fine. Anyway, the, the match was pretty good, in in my opinion. Early, unexpected powerbomb through the announce table, which made me think this was going to be a really short match. High spots very early on, especially from Seth. Rollins hit a curb stomp, which I actually think got the crowd. Like, a really, really good near fall to give the impression that Roman could lose. Roman then brought the heat. Seth reverses a spear into a pedigree, which was cool. But then the match actually elongated a little bit longer on there. But then we got to the finish, where Roman Reigns locked in the guillotine, uh, because Seth Rollins just kept laughing at Roman Reigns. I'm not quite sure what's going on there. Maybe we should have watched the SmackDown before, but apparently they're not very good shows. But uh, Seth gets to the rope. Roman doesn't let go of the hold. Roman gets DQ'd. So it's a bit of a shoddy finish to what was kind of a decent match. Maybe they're going to do a rematch, but I don't know. I can't really see this uh, for WrestleMania and what happens later on in the evening. I don't think they're going to go with a, a Seth Roman Reigns rematch. Roman got back some heat afterwards. He basically just bashed Seth Rollins with a chair. Again, the commentators had to tell people that this was what Seth Rollins did back when the Shield broke up, but it would have been nice to kind of give that visual before the match of, of Seth Rollins actually, you know, wailing on Ambrose and, and Reigns with that steel chair. All in all, I thought it was a decent match. Three out of five stars. Jimmy Starr, your thoughts? Yeah, I I, I enjoyed it. I, I think the whole, as the commentators were saying, that the reason he came out dressed in is Seth Rollins being he. Uh, came out dressed in his shield garb was to try and mentally get into Roman Reigns' psyche. Psychologically, was sort of trying to put him off, try and destroy him because, as they said on commentary, you know, it was Seth Rollins who decided to end the shield, not Roman Reigns. They were playing on that, which I thought, again, I thought was good. Could have done with a little bit more explaining and probably a little bit more time on on shows on the shows beforehand to set it up a little bit more. You know, the whole mind games thing sort of works well. If if Seth Rollins has been playing mind games with him for the past sort of six weeks, two months previous, but because SmackDown is apparently dog shit, none of us watch it. So I, I don't really know if, if he has done. Seth Rollins looks like he's having a lot of fun with this character and he's his new character and he's enjoying it. But yeah, the maniacal laughing was a little bit too much. It was a little bit too much like fucking Two-Face in, in, in Batman Forever. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Like it was just, it, it, was, it was too much fucking laughing for my liking. And that's fine when, if he's if he's on top, do you know what I mean? But when Roman Reigns is stomping the shit out of you and he's meant to be the toughest bastard in the world or one of the toughest bastards in the world, is all through the heat and all through the match is too much. Maybe a little bit at the end, or in various different intervals in the matches where actually 
becomes is is almost like overkill with moves, isn't it? It was almost overkill with laughing. If he'd have laughed at the right points in the match, it would have made that whole sort of the, the whole laughing thing seem more like less is more in some ways. You know, laugh your ass off whilst you're beating him up, but when you're getting the shit kicked out by him, choose your spots to laugh. You know. It was a little bit different to the Roman Reigns matches that we've been seeing, a little bit faster pace, which was nice to see a little bit more of a faster pace. I think they went a bit OTT, maybe on the sort of finishes and things like that towards the end, especially for a first match, because again, you've got to realise what's going to follow. Now, I know in this particular case, it was a Royal Rumble match, but these guys are still on first. They need to put a decent match on and a really good and a good showing for a Royal Rumble just in my opinion, again, just too much, just too much shit, just too much, too many finishes. And but I think that that's just the way wrestling is now. And and I again, I've said that before in previous podcasts. You know, the whole thing's passed me by. But one thing I do know is there's no fucking two ways about it. Roman Reigns is firing on all cylinders, and he is the best in the world at the moment. And not having Heyman with him as well, um, although I know that that sort of links to the storyline with with Brock Lesnar. Not not having Heyman with him for that particular, just for that particular match, I don't think really spoiled his his entrance or having the Usos there. Just having him come out on his own, he still has that presence as a champion, and he's one of the few that they've got there who does. From a psychology point of view, it worked. But yeah, with the powerbomb through the table, more or less, or coming, you know, three or four minutes into the match, and a million Superman punches and. God knows how many spears and curb stomps and all those things, spears to the outside and all that sort of stuff. It's like eventually you do sort of think to yourself, yeah, how hard is Roman Reigns? Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, if he if he if he if he takes a squillion spears to to get this laughing, much skinnier, smaller man down, then what's the chance that he stand against Brock Lesnar? That's probably in my mind. I, I I'm always thinking to the future, and I think that as a standalone match, it was cool. But I don't think it did a lot for Roman Reigns. Seth Rollins, um, I don't really think it did a lot for him in going forward. I don't know where they're going to take Seth Rollins for WrestleMania, to be honest with you. I pray to God they don't make it a freeway between Brock and and, and Roman Reigns. I, I don't think they will. Um, but it, it, it's just, yeah. It's, 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 well, the it's thing I thought to towards the end of the match, now, without getting too much into the rumble and, and the finish of the, the men's Royal Rumble, which I, I called basically earlier on in the event, but like what I felt like they were trying to do was draw on a lot of what has happened before. Like, for instance, this match, they were drawing so much on the emotion of the shield. Like in other matches, they were drawing such on the emotion of like what has come before. And what got me thinking was like, okay, so they're going to do Brock versus Roman at WrestleMania. And remember what happened like the last time those two guys wrestled? So they went, they did the whole match, and then who cashed in their money in the bank briefcase? Seth Rollins. Oh, so, no, that, that, you that, know, that was the first time they wrestled. They wrestled again in a, another Mania main event, didn't they? I, um, a couple of years afterwards, it was awful. Um, that was a really good match, the one where Seth Rollins cashed in his thing. But yeah, sorry, correct me, but yeah, no, I mean, yeah, they've done it already. Yeah, they're trying to recreate that kind of history in again. And it's like they're they're going to redo their old storylines, but they're going to reference them again and be like, hey, this was brilliant. You remember that? That was great. We're going to do it again. It's like, 
either recycle your storylines but put them in a different way or just don't do it like why recycle your storylines and just say hey we did this before you you liked it right and it's like well yeah it was fine for the time but how are they going to shoehorn seth rollins in other uh, other than give him a money in the bank briefcase but they'd have to sort of do that in one of the pay-per-views beforehand which i think is the elimination chamber so uh, i don't really know what's going to happen there like you say seth rollins is probably going to be just kicking around it's just odd storytelling i, I personally think that Rollins will go against Edge in Mania. I don't know why. I've just got a feeling they'll 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 think that. I think that'll be a good match actually, um, and it'll be a match I'd like to see. Um, but I just think that uh, I, didn't they wrestle before? They wrestled at the last pay per view, Survivor Series, no? Didn't I, possibly, but I think they'll probably reignite that feud in some way. I know it was um, the Saudi Arabia show, wasn't it? The Hell in a Cell. That was it. Yeah, yeah, they wrestled there. They might do them again. I don't know. Because I've got to give Edge something to do. Honestly, I, I don't see. I don't see, coming out of that. You normally see some kind of direction as to where both opponents will be going. But obviously, the only direction that I could see is where Roman Reigns is going. They're focusing so hard on Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar, other than getting his fucking ass handed to him because he did. He did get into Roman Reigns' head, um, and obviously, he's got bragging rights. He's got this. It's, he's got every reason for a rematch. Um, it's just where they're going to have it and what they're going to do with it. And it's it's just it's just a bit confusing, really. Yeah, exactly. If they were going to do one-on-one Brock versus Roman, surely they would have put uh, Roman over Strong over Seth Rollins to kind of have these two guys, these two big behemoths to the best in the business go up against each other on the grandest stage rather than sort of Roman have a DQ win going it or DQ loss rather going into it and Seth kind of getting beaten up with a chair and then Brock losing and then going into it. But yeah, I, I don't know. The kind of bookings all over the place, but yeah, I guess we'll find out in a couple of months time. As a standalone match. Yeah, it was fine. I mean, it was a bit too heavy on the, on the finishes for me, Seth Rollins most definitely. And Roman Reigns um, in terms of moves, actually putting moves together um, they're both extremely talented. They didn't have to just abuse their finishes like that. Um, so that, that that sort of brought the match down to me. But yeah, if I was going to give it a star rating, I'd probably give it a three and a half. I think. I think they worked hard and it was okay. Just a little bit too long and a little bit too and a little bit too much with a confusing finish. And I, I get it. He, he choked him out. That was fine. He beat him with a chair a bit. That was fine. He didn't need to come back in and smash him and thrash him around again. That lasted forever, even though the match was probably, say, I don't know, 15, just over 15 minutes long with all that shit. And Roman Reigns' entrance takes forever. And that stuff at the end, it just make you're just exhausted by the end of the first match, you know. And then we've got a fucking, then we've got our first rumble. And it's like, Jesus Christ, you know. I'm, I'm done. I need to turn the fucking TV off now. Yeah, so we transitioned into the Women's Royal Rumble match. Now I'll just go through the entrance and, and eliminations, then we can talk about it late on. So we had number one, Sasha Banks. Number two, Melina, who basically took about three or four minutes to get a jacket off and then didn't even last that amount of time in the Royal Rumble match. So she was out by Sasha. Number three, Tamina. Number four, Kelly Kelly. Then uh, Kelly Kelly was thrown out by Sasha. Number five, Aaliyah. Number six, Liv Morgan. Seven, Queen Zelina. 
Molina. Then Sasha was dumped out by Zelina. Number eight, Bianca Belair. Number nine, Dana Brooke. Number 10, Michelle McCall, which is kind of cool to see her. Uh, Dana Brooke was sent out by Michelle McCall. Sonia Deville came out at number 11, who went and chilled on the uh, announce desk for a while, which was kind of cool. Number 12, Natalia. Then Tamina was chucked out by Natalia. Number 13, Cameron. Cameron was then dumped out by Sonia Deville. Number 14, Naomi. And Sonia was dumped out by Naomi. 15, Carmella, who now wears a weird gimp mask in the ring. I mean, it's different. Uh, whatever. <laughs> Number 16, Rhea Ripley. Carmella and Zelina were chucked out by Rhea Ripley. 17, Charlotte Flair, the current SmackDown champion. Uh, Aaliyah was chucked out by Charlotte. So was Naomi with help from Sonya Deville. Ivory was in at number 18, which I popped hard for. The right to censor music came on. That was awesome. She came out, started cutting a promo on Charlotte and then was chucked out while still cutting a promo. Land on the floor, was still cutting a promo. And that was probably the best thing out of both Royal Rumbles was Ivory come out as, as right to censor. Then we had number 19, Brie Bella. Number 20, Mickey James, who is the Impact World Women's Champion with the belt. And it was mentioned by the announce team. So that's kind of cool. Uh, Michelle McCall was chucked out by Mickey James. Number 21, Alicia Fox. 22, Nikki Ash. Number 23, Summer Rae. She was chucked out by Natalia. Number 24, Nikki Bella. So we had both the Bella twins in there. Alicia Fox was sent out by the Bella twins. Number 25, Sarah Logan. She was chucked out by the Bellas. Liv Morgan was chucked out by the Bellas. Number 26, Lita. That was kind of cool to see her. Mickey James was chucked out by Lita. Number 27, Molly Holly. A little bit of a surprise there. That was cool. She was chucked out by Nikki Ash. Then we had number 28, Ronda Rousey, and she is still over as hell. She goes on to win the Royal Rumble. Um, she chucked out Nikki Ash, Nikki Bella. Shotzi Blackheart came in at 29. Brie Bella was taken out by Ronda Rousey. Number 30, Shayna Baszler, which was kind of cool having those two girls in there. I was hoping that they were going to beat the fuck out of each other, but they didn't. Shotzi was sent out by Ronda. Natalia was sent out by Bianca. Lita was sent out by Charlotte. Rhea uh, was checked out by Charlotte. We had the final four, Charlotte, Bianca, Shayna, and Ronda. Then we had the final two, Charlotte and Ronda Rousey. It was a really, really, really quick ending. Charlotte was chucked over the top rope and the winner of the 2022 Women's Royal Rumble was Ronda Rousey. Jimmy, your thoughts? Um, fucking hell, well done. Um, that was like, <laughs> you sounded like uh, someone out of fucking Top of the Pops there running down the, the charts, uh, the, the, the music. And <laughs> uh, number one, it's B-52 with Love Shack. No, no, it's, uh, it, 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 it was all right. I, I think that um, we knew he was going to win. Fucking Ronda Rousey isn't going to come back to do a rumble. Um, and she, I, knew she, I knew beforehand she was coming back for a year Obviously, everything was leaked. She's not going to come back and not have the main event at WrestleMania. She's too big of a star. And does she need the belt? Probably not really. But does she need to be in the main event? Yeah, it's going to put bums in seats. Um, I was quite shocked as to her outfit. She's carrying baby weight, which is... I'm gonna, this, this is fucking, I think, a little bit what sucks. Do you know what I mean? Like, if Ronda Rousey was carrying baby weight and was a little bit insecure about going out there in something a touch more revealing or just something that looked like wrestling. Just something colourful. Or just something that looked like She looked like a ninja. Yeah, she did, yeah. She looked like she was about to rob your house. If you had to put a balaclava on, you'd fucking think she was about to turn over your gaff like. But I think that I think that, that, that she was obviously insecure about that. Now if that was her choice to wear that, then that's her choice. That's her right. 
if the WWE said, you know, you're carrying a bit too much timber, sweetheart, put this shit on, well, that's fucking wrong because women have, you know, women have kids. That's what fucking, you know, a lot, a lot of women tend to have kids. The world seems to count on that and revolve around it. Do you know what I mean? I think it's, I, I, I'm sticking <laughs> up for fucking women here. I think that it's incredibly insensitive to, to stick her in a fucking, in a black burglar's uniform and uh, expect her to sort of look like she belonged in there. She just looked like she'd hopped over the gate. But the, going back, going back, way, way back, um, I didn't think this was a particularly good rumble. I have to say it was quite a lot of botches, quite a lot of miscommunication. You know, I don't like this baby face coming in and having to have a shine, you know, and then fucking it up and then going back into stomping each other in the corner. I know that's how rumbles have been for a while, but why do they have to be like that? Why can't they just get in the mix and just start fighting and maybe you get a little bit of a shine later? You know, I understand everyone needs to get their little bit in, but can't they get it in in a different point? It's become so predictable. It's boring to watch. There's so many people in the ring. You can almost see when people's music play, you can see a lot of the wrestlers who are stomping someone in the corner or being stomped just literally turn around, oh shit, I've got a spot with this girl, and just stand up, forget about what they're doing, and then wait for the move that they got to take. Do you know what I mean? It's it's so orchestrated and put together in, in an over-the-top way. I think it's it's extremely difficult not to not to make it look like a botch fest. When a rumble just should look like a fucking scrap. That's the thing. That's the thing that's cool about it. You know, you don't get to often see these girls in the ring together put them together, let them have a scrap. They can do a move or a spot or something like that or a little, you know, but they don't have to come in and sort of clean house and have a, have a massive shine. Not everyone. I thought that Bianca Belair had a good performance. I thought that, um, uh, 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 did you say it was M- uh, Melina, the little one, the tiny one? Um, well, we had Queen Zelina at the at the beginning. Maybe Liv Morgan. She was in it for quite a while. No, the the, um, the, t- the, the tiny, the really really small girl with the with she, she's changed her hairstyle. She's darkened it up and had a fringe. What yeah, I, Queen no, Zelina. No, it's yeah. Zelina Vega. That's Zelina Vega. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought she had a nice rumble, quite a nice rumble. I thought Mickey James had a good. I thought they were going to aim her out straight away. Being from Impact, I thought they were going to just completely fucking job her off. She had quite a nice rumble. Charlotte, as per usual, was just head and shoulders above the rest in in, in many ways. Yeah, other than that, you know, Lita did okay. It, it was just one of those things. I only watched it the other day, and I paid intent concentration to it, but it just it just didn't seem much. We all knew he was going to win when it was announced. Especially knew she was going to win when it was announced that she was going to be doing it for a year. It was just waiting for Ronda Rousey to come out and win. And the thing that really spoiled it for me is that when Ronda Rousey did win, she had an okay performance when she was in there. She's throwing her jabs and strikes. She's different. She works different. That's fine. She might be a bit rusty. Again, that's fine. Um, the fact she looked like she was about to fucking hold up a bank, you know, I didn't particularly like that. But she didn't look particularly happy when she won it. She just didn't look like she gave a fuck. I don't know if you noticed that. 
she smiled and whatnot, but there was that yeah, big Yeah, contrast that to last year when Bianca Belair won the Rumble and she was like jumping around, crying, celebrating with people. And then you know, Ronda Rousey wins it and they almost have to tell her, smile and look at the sign and point at it. And she's just like, I don't want to be here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> they yeah. must have been paying her a lot of money. Yeah, give me the check. Yeah. And I think that I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know why she might have been a bit self-conscious. She might have been, she might not, but again, not wanted to be there. I, I, I have no idea. But she just did not look like she cared that she won it. And that took a, just a hell of a lot out of it for me. It deflated quite a lot of that rumble. But this is, this is another thing that confuses me. Tell me why the WWE has just fired all their wrestlers, and a lot of them, a huge amount of them, ladies. And then when it comes time for the Women's Royal Rumble, half the contestants were people who were retired. Do you know what I mean? They just come back from the Rumble. It was a very nostalgic rumble. There was Kelly Kellys and Leaders and Mickey Jameses and fucking Ivories and all that sort of stuff. It's usually nostalgic rumble and probably shows goes to show that they haven't got many female wrestlers at the moment, but they've just sacked off a shitload of them. Um, and it can't be because of finances because they're, they're richer than they've ever been. It was, it, was, it was a very clear indication of the fact that, especially with the women, but the, uh, some of the guys as well, but especially with the women, they've really cut their talent pool and maybe a touch too much. Nia Jax, get rid of her, fuck her off. You know, get rid of her and, and, and you know, she can go and get a job fucking, I don't know, on the dust carts. There were, there was some, they got rid of some quite good, quite good women. And, you know, people like Tony Storm and, you know, girls like that, they just, you just weren't there, you know, and it's, it's a shame. It's, it's, it's a shame that they've got rid of, you know, quite a lot of, of talented girls and, and they've got the nostalgia acts back for the Rumble. It just... This wasn't a very good rumble, I didn't think. I, I quite like this sort of nostalgia. I think that's how rumbles have always been to me. Like when I think back to the rumbles that I watched when I was younger, it was actually always more exciting when you kind of didn't know the person or it was a, a returning person or it was a celebrity. Like those things were sort of quite interesting because it really mixed things up. Like, and I actually enjoyed the women's rumble more than I did the men's one. The men's one was just so dull. It was very formulaic. And it was just like, you know, wrestler, 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 wrestler. And then I had like, one or two surprises where at least in the women's one they had a little bit of nostalgia they had a little bit of this a little bit of that like a big pop with ronda rousey coming back like and they had something kind of interesting going on i do agree like ronda's whole thing she didn't look happy she looked like a ninja she wasn't kind of dressed properly whether it's her fault or not but like yeah, I thought it was much more interesting than the men's one. And after the uh, the WWE title match, like I, I almost instantly knew what was going to happen in the men's match. So it was kind of obvious when I was watching it. It was like, come on, can't we just get all 30 guys out there and, ju and just kind of get on with the result? Because that that felt a little bit too obvious for me. But well, if, if I, you go I quite, back, I quite if liked you go it. go back a few podcasts, it's annoying because it seems like I stole it from Jim Cornette, but I didn't because I said it before Jim Cornette did. It's just Jim Cornette's podcast came out before I did. I called that. That's what I said would happen. We had a chat about it. I said that Brock Lesnar would lose the title to Lashley and then win the Rumble. I said it about a month ago. I said it about six weeks ago. I'm fucking sure I did. If we go back and look at, well, but uh, you're not going to go back and listen to six weeks worth of podcasts to try and find it. But I'm positive I said it. I'm positive I said that that was what was going to happen. But then, but then, I, and then when Jim Cornette said it, I thought oh, I probably won't happen now because he, he does actually have enough listeners for it to make some kind of difference to, to for them potentially to change the uh, result but nope they kept it the same anyway uh, any more thoughts on the ladies royal rumble just going back to the nostalgia acts i do know what you mean i do like the old nostalgia act and i do like seeing some of these girls come back and 
you know. But you know, with the Bellas and Kelly, I just think a nostalgia act is good again. But it's like it's like a wrestling match. It's like moves. It's like too many, too many cooks spoil the broth. The female uh, Rumble was more or less built up of half and half current wrestlers, female wrestlers, and half nostalgia wrestlers. Maybe not quite that much, but you know, I doubt I'm that far off. It's odd maybe they'll carry on storylines for some of them that maybe some of them will come back maybe some of them will go at wrestlemania i don't know it just this just wasn't a great rumble and like i said it would have been it would have been okay and i'm happy for ronda rousey to win because at the end of the day she could kill them all with a fucking eyelid so i don't mind the fact that she won i just <laughs> didn't particularly like the fact she <laughs> looked fucking miserable about it <laughs> um, you know, so that's all I can say, really. Yeah, second match in a row where they're throwing back to something that happened before that was better. So, uh, moving on, we had the Raw Women's Championship match, uh, Dewdrop versus Becky Lynch. Now, I'm not sure what happened early on in this match, but the crowd seemed far more interested in what was going on on the right hand side of the the hard cam. Like for some reason, they just started chanting. There wasn't anything particularly going on in the match, and then I just saw everybody in the front row just looking to their left, and I was like what's going on but obviously wwe is not going to show you what's going on so i don't know if people are getting in a fight throwing around a beach ball because obviously that can happen and that has happened in the past but like people did not give two shits about this match for for quite a long period but the veteran that the that she is becky just put on a chin lock and the cameraman just zoomed right into it so that you know the, the people at home weren't distracted because i was i was like what are these people looking at you know trying to peer around the corner but obviously i can't because i'm watching on tv but they're, they're both very good workers, Becky and Dewdrop, but I felt nothing for this match. The audience didn't really seem to care for Dewdrop. I don't know whether she's in the right position, whether they just see her as, as credible or not. I mean, we've, we've seen her before as like a heel role and she's great, but people want to cheer for Becky and WWE are just not presenting her like this big baby face that she was and she can be. And she's still this kind of cocky and arrogant and brash and she wears the sunglasses and she's big time Bex and she's better than everyone. And like, that's the kind of thing that people liked about her when she was babyface. So they're still sort of half cheering her and half not cheering her. So she's sort of getting this like middling pop and nobody really cares about Dewdrop. But I like the finish to the match. I thought it was really, really cool. The manhandle slam off the top turnbuckle. It was really cool. The match seemed to go a little bit too long. There was no heat. There was no story. They just wrestled. So this was a two out of five star match for me. Jimmy? Yeah, I think I agree with exactly the same sentiments that you just said. Like, the reason the crowd aren't interested in her is because she's called Dewdrop. Well, who the fuck would be interested in someone called Dewdrop, which is a bit of snot that hangs off the end of your nose when you're cold? That's what a Dewdrop is. So why would they be interested in someone called Dewdrop against a star of that magnitude? I'm not saying Dewdrop isn't a good wrestler. She is a good wrestler. I, I was very impressed with her performance. Um, I sort of found it a very, very odd match for a Royal Rumble, to be honest with you. Um, you know, it wasn't a particularly big-time match. It was one probably to bring the crowd down. But again, if it's one to bring the crowd down, it just, again, last, like you said, lasted too long. It told a good basic story. I don't think the crowd want Becky Lynch to be heel, but I think she is a good heel. Plenty of verbal, takes a time. It's very giving as a heel as well. She'll shine the baby face up real nice. She is a very, very good heel. But like you say, the crowd just don't want to and they're not, they don't want to see it anymore. It's, it's almost a pointless activity. You're right. She, she did do a good job. 
Dewdrop did her bit well. You know, there was some brutal sentons and things like that in it, which I thought were like a bit, oh, fuck me. It, it was for, for a match, just for a match, it was okay. The sort of match that I'd expect to see on an independent show. It wasn't the sort of match I'd expect to see or, or on a WWE house show. It wasn't the sort of match I'd expect to see at a Royal Rumble. People just didn't care. Like you say, they were more interested in whatever was going on in the crowd, whether it be a fight or people playing volleyball with a fucking beach ball or something. You know, I don't know. I, I think I'll I think I'll join you maybe two and a half stars. It, it, it wasn't the wrestler's fault. It's just no one cares about the Dewdrop character, and that's not really Dewdrop's fault. She's been landed with a shit gimmick. People want Becky to turn face. The crowd, when they did get with it towards the end, they were more with Becky, and Dewdrop was getting some nice pops and that, but it just didn't hit the mark where they wanted it, I think. Very odd booking and a fairly simple, good match. Good professionalism from both girls, but just a bad position to be put in, I think. Shawnee, can I ask you a question? Yeah, shoot. Do you ever get tired? All the time. Do you know what? I get fucking exhausted. I'm so tired sometimes I can't think. But that is because of the very hectic lifestyle that I lead, and I'm sure you lead a very hectic lifestyle. Um, and this is where our new sponsor comes in. Well, again, we've been very lucky on this podcast now. We've All of a sudden, we've suddenly got two people who want to sponsor this podcast, and these are the second group of guys. They're fantastic product they've got out there. And again, it's not so much of a product, but it's more of a, of a, of a way of life. I'm amazed I've never thought of it before. You're tired. You're irritable. You're fed up, you're smashing furniture, you're crying, you're falling over on a regular basis, you're vomiting, you don't know what to do with yourself. And these guys have just come up with just the absolute perfect solution. And it is this amazing new, amazing new way technique of life, and it is called sleep. Have you ever heard of this thing called sleep, Sean? How, how's that spelled? It's spelled S-L-E-E-P. Sleep. It rings a bell. Yeah, and also can be pluralized into sleeping. Yeah, okay, go on. Right, so the idea is, you're tired, like I said, you're tired, you're irritable, you're smashing furniture, you're swinging your kids around by their legs, you're not a happy man. It's because you're not sleeping, okay? This is a uh, Dr. Killcoin uh, has come up with this new method. Came up with it one day, apparently, when he was sat in his chair, um, he was watching an episode of SmackDown, and all of a sudden, he apparently roused himself up his eyes opened about eight hours after he initially shut him so eight hours after he initially shut his eyes his eyes opened again and apparently he felt great he could put his clothes on he wasn't angry anymore he wasn't being sick in the wardrobes he wasn't falling over he wasn't beating his pets to death he felt absolutely marvelous and then what he did the next day was he thought well i'm, I'm starting to get irritable again i'll try and do it again so he just shut his eyes and off he went for another eight hours. It's it's just a way of life that he's again, written a book about, two books as, as sponsors, but these are absolutely fine books. 3,785 pages long. I read it front to back, Sean, and this sleeping thing sounds absolutely amazing. In my 37 years of life, I've never heard anything like it. Apparently, you get somewhere comfortable. Um, you, you know that thing in your room that, that you were never sure what it did, that soft thing with the pillows on it? 
that you just used to bounce up and down on? Well, no, I've been so tired. I've just smashed all the furniture in my room. What is it? Well, well that's, that's it's called a bed. So what you do on your bed is you go upstairs and you put a little thing called a duvet on it. Again, they explain what a duvet is. I'll just quickly run past it. It's just sort of like a, more or less a sheet, sort of like a towel you dry yourself with, but a lot thicker and comfier. You pull it over yourself. There's a thing called a pillow. Again, there's a massive chapter on pillows. It's sort of a big fluffy thing you put your head on so you don't crick your neck when, when you're lying down. And you shut your eyelids. And once you shut your eyelids, if you're tired enough, surely enough you will go to sleep now the problem with this sleeping thing is it explains in the book say you've had like eight nine hours sleep if you immediately get up and try and go to sleep again probably won't work you only do it when you start getting into that sort of like uh, lunacy mode where you start seeing things and and having massive mass hallucinations and things like that so ladies and gentlemen dr kilcoin's new book the art of sleep fantastic read from front to back i i, I couldn't get through it all because i kept falling asleep but it was a fantastic, fantastic book. When I got to the end of it, it changed my life nonstop. My next door neighbor was absolutely terrified of me. Every time he'd pop his head out and say hello, I'd try and smash his face in with a claw hammer. But now I say hello back. Do you know why? Because I'm so much more relaxed because of this sleeping thing. They're, they're giving us a little bit of a, uh, an incentive to promote this thing here other than cash. They're giving us a bit more of an incentive. Again, if you type, type in theartofsleep.com forward slash Falling Star Wrestling Academy, you will get a free pillow and a, uh, a special duvet um, with uh, the Falling Star Wrestling logo on it. I urge you to check out the book, like I said, The Art of Sleep by Dr. Kilcoin. Fantastic book, fantastic read. But again, it will change your life. Sean, remember that word, sleep. And what you're doing when you shut your eyes, you are sleeping pluralized version of the word make sure pick up this book surely because it will change your life you will no longer want to strangle your whole family you will no longer be having these mass hallucinations because i know you have the mass hallucinations and i know that your house is an absolute wreck and i know that there's big holes in the walls and in the roof roof and stuff like that and you've completely terrorized your, your whole family for a long time now I think that is because, Shawnee, you're tired. And again, there's a big chapter on tiredness as well. I don't want to spoil the book. It's a fantastic read, ladies and gentlemen. Dr. Kilcoin, The Art of Sleep. Go and check it out now. Make sure you have the promo code forward slash Fallen Star Wrestling and you will get the duvet and the pillow. Ladies and gentlemen, The Art of Sleep. Make sure you get some sleep. Otherwise, you will go fucking nuts. Next up was the WWE title match. Brock Lesnar, the reigning, defending, conquering champion, going up against the number one contender in Bobby Lashley. Now, I'll say two things and I'll hand it over to you, Jim. First of all, Brock is over as hell. And number two, does it seem to you that there are no real established or clean cut heels or baby faces anymore? Like I assumed that Bobby Lashley was the heel and Brock was the big baby face. But Bobby's coming down and he's getting cheered and he's high fiving fans. And it was just it was just so weird. And then, you, you know, you go on later on and there's just there's no heels and no baby faces. Do you think WWE are doing this kind of on purpose or this is just the, the way that the thing's been presented now? I just think that's the way the re- way wrestling is now. Yeah, I think it's the way it's presented. I think the heels and baby faces as a concept are, are sort of dead. Sometimes there's a very blatant heel and baby face, but not very often. I think it's just who the crowd want to cheer for. One thing I will say before this match, I think that this is probably the best pre-match video package I've seen in a long time. 
I thought it was great because it actually made wrestling seem fucking serious for a little while. Do you know what I mean? This fight seemed serious. It was like the way old professional wrestling used to be, even more so to a certain extent because you got two guys who have had quite similar career paths in a way. I know um, Brock Lesnar has, has been in the WWE a little bit longer and has been going a little bit longer, but they've both been professional wrestlers for a long time. They've both been involved in MMA. And to be honest with you, um, in, in some cases, Bobby Lashley has probably been more successful in the MMA side of things than, than Brock Lesnar has. So I thought the pre-packaged tape beforehand was superb. I thought it set up the match beautifully and it, you know, all that dew drop bollocks beforehand and silliness and just crap that the WWE produce on a regular basis and their unwatchable backstage skits and stuff like that. I actually thought that this was one of the things that has been, was set up really well, you know, full credit to that. Bobby Lashley is, is still not on the level of Brock Lesnar yet um, in terms of star power Brock Lesnar is just a fucking total. He's just, he's just something else. He's, he's out of the stratosphere. He's Roman Reigns level. You just can't at the moment. Bobby Lashley is very, very, very good. And to in, in most cases, in most matches, he would be the superstar by a million miles. But when you're dealing with someone like Brock Lesnar, it's hard. It's hard to live up to that star power. But, you know, getting the rub off of him, so, you know, he's just about to get the rub off of him. So that might help. I thought the match itself was was very simple, a very basic start. Brock Lesnar, I don't know quite what happened. Brock Lesnar seemed to take a German suplex early on, right on his bonce. And I don't know if after that he was sort of giving Lashley a few receipts because Lashley was taking those Germans very oddly. One of them, he totally just landed on his elbow. I don't know. I don't know what happened, whether he was hurt or what was going on, but the match was spoiled by the fact that every time Lashley took a German suplex, I thought he was going to get killed in some way, shape or form. And I don't know if that was Brock being a dick because Lashley suplexed him on his head earlier on. I don't know if that was Lashley actually genuinely hurt and he was trying to protect the back of his head or neck or I don't really know. I did quite like the start where, you know, obviously Lashley ran, went through the ring barrier and there was big moves, a few moves outside and, and whatnot. But when it got to the Lashley taking the German suplexes, it was just, just wasn't quite hitting it because he wasn't taking them properly. And I was worried that he was going to get hurt or if he was hurt. The finish of the match, I quite liked. It, it put a button on that little, well, not a button, but it, it's, it's kept the story of what Paul Heyman, you know, whose side Paul Heyman is, has chosen before going into WrestleMania. Because a little while back, obviously, when he decided to go with Brock Lesnar, there was no real transition or fight or anything. It, Paul Heyman was cutting promos where he was stressed out what Brock Lesnar was going to do to him or who should he choose to manage and he didn't quite know what to do and blah, blah, blah. But then because Roman Reigns got covid he suddenly just came out with Brock Lesnar again and there was no real reason for it. They sort of cut the storyline of the whole Paul Heyman, who's he going to choose for Mania, what's going to happen, the stress that he was under and all that sort of stuff. And then when day one happened, he just sort of came out with Lesnar and it was like, oh, so they've forgotten about that story now. Have they? Because Roman Reigns got, got COVID, couldn't compete. I understand that. 
But rather than put that storyline on hold, they just totally changed it, and he came out with Brock Lesnar. It was nice that they spun back around to that whole storyline with who is Heyman going to choose to who's he going to choose to represent for Mania, which is now I think has switched Lesnar completely face. You, you now have Reigns back with Paul Heyman, and I thought the finish was quite good. And the way again, just the way that Roman Reigns played that finish with the way he stood, his body language, and the the whole belt shot thing. I thought that was from that bit on that was quite a a nice finish. But the match itself, I don't know why, but Lashley just wasn't on his game. It, apart from the first couple of minutes where it all seemed to be going okay. When when Lashley was started started taking his beat down and taking his Germans, it really didn't look quite right, and I I don't know I don't know why I don't know whether Brock was fucking turfing him about to show him that he could, although I don't think that Brock would quite do business like that. The only reason I thought that he might be doing he might be frying him around and shooting with him a little bit was because that Lashley dumped him on his head basically uh, when when he suplexed him so. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't, I can't quite work it out. But it was what it was, but it did spoil the match a little bit, I think. It was a tale of two halves, really, wasn't it? There was this great build-up, like you said, with the video package and that amazing put-together of the, you know, the, almost their mirroring of their lives. You know, they grow up, they're collegiate wrestlers, they go off, they become superstars, they then go off and become MMA fighters, you know, very successful in, their, in each of their fields, and then they come back and they become champions, and it's almost like a mirror image of each other. But then... That was amazing. Good start. And then they just dumped each other on each other's heads and it was weird and it was awkward. And then it just switched after that because, yeah, as soon as the ref took a bump, Roman came in, speared Brock, and then there was the the Heyman thing, which was a nice kind of story, and then gave the belt to Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns hits Lesnar with the belt. And this this popped me. I was surprised. I did I honestly I would have I would have bet the mortgage on Lesnar leaving with the belt, but he didn't. He took the L, you know, and maybe that's the thing he knew that he was going to lose to Bobby Lashley. So he thought, well, I better, you know, crush him a little bit and dump him on his head a little bit and make him make him work for it because I'm not going to give up this belt lightly because, like you said, with Roman Reigns getting COVID and the whole day one thing being switched and Brock facing Big E and taking the title off him, like it completely like ruined the storyline for quite a few of them. And there's rumours that Roman Reigns got COVID on purpose because he didn't want to go to, you know, day one. And there was a whole thing with their testing. And But you don't know what happens behind closed doors. But it was almost like a shame to take the belt off of Big E to give to Brock to then give to Bobby. And I don't know that that, that was Brock saying, well, yeah, I will drop the title, but I'm not going to drop it to Big E. I'll drop it to Lashley because Lashley is equal or better than me in kind of you know, like MMA world and collegiate wrestling. And, you know, looks good, is, is massive, is muscular and, and can actually fight. And maybe that was Brock sort of stretching his, you know, his contract and saying, yeah, I'm not going to lose to Biggie, but I'll, I'll lose to Lashley. And maybe that was just their way of getting off him. And Bobby was just kind of put in there. But yeah, I popped when Lesnar lost. I didn't expect it. I liked the whole story with Roman. But then as soon as that happened at that point, I was like, okay. Brock's going to be in the Rumble, he's going to win the Rumble, and then he's going to go on to Mania to face Roman Reigns for the Universal title. And that is exactly how it played out. It was a fun enough match. Like, it was shocking. There was an unexpected finish. There was a bit of a schmoz, which was good, and it worked, and it it felt for the story. Um, bit of an intrigue going forward. 
where's Seth going to be in this? I hope he, he he just kind of just goes away and we're just going to have a one-on-one Brock and Roman at WrestleMania. I thought it was a sort of a three out of five match. It, it had its high points. It definitely had its low points, but um, yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah, I, I'd say about three out of five. I just think that, I just think it was nice to see something serious for once in a while. Do you know what I mean? No one seemed to be fucking about. It was seriously set up. The package was serious. The match was serious. It was nice just to see something. I know wrestling isn't serious, and I know that there was a ref bump, and I know that you got it with a belt and all that bollocks, but that's professional wrestling. Like, that's just the way it is. But everything was taken serious, and the blokes in the ring looked like killers because they are killers. They're genuinely fucking hard men. And it was nice to see two guys in the ring who looked like they could do some damage, not only to anyone that would ever dare face them, but to each other. There's not many people out there who Brock can wrestle who who sort of match up to him. And uh, But Bobby Lashley is one of them. Bobby Lashley looks like he could beat Brock Lesnar, and he did, um, even though it was for interference. The only thing I didn't, again, I, I didn't particularly like about the finish is that if I was Bobby Lashley, I would have played that victory confused, you know what I mean? Because if he, he is sort of meant to be a heel, but he's sort of also not, he's also, you know, the crowd quite like him as well. I would have probably played the victory a bit confused, like, what the fuck just happened type thing, do you know what I mean? Or like, you know, I'm glad to be the champion, but maybe not potentially like this. It just seemed a bit, they didn't, they seemed to focus more on the fact that Brock Lesnar had been fucked over rather than Lashley being the new champion. And at the end of the day, Lashley's the champion now. So when he goes to WrestleMania, he's going to be wrestling as a champion and whoever he wrestles, which will probably be Big E, I assume, if they're going with him. He's a representative of that company for a few months, but they didn't really seem to care about that. They just seemed to care more about the fact that Brock Lesnar had been fucked over. But then again, I suppose, get, knowing that he was going to win the Royal Rumble, um, which again, I'd just like to remind the listeners, I called about six weeks ago before <laughs> Jim Cornette called it, but Jim Cornette's podcast came out first. But that match itself just felt serious, which was nice for a change, but far from perfect. Speaking of far from perfect, next we had a mixed tag team match, which was The Miz and Maurice, husband and wife, versus another husband and wife, Edge and Beth Phoenix. Now, Maurice was never the best of wrestlers, and bless her, she really tried in this match, but she's definitely a better valet or, you know, personality in wrestling. And Beth Phoenix is still awesome. She was, I feel like she was kind of born in the wrong era. Like, she should be wrestling right now like when WWE and you know wrestling as a whole are taking women's wrestling seriously and and there's a focus on it like Beth Phoenix would fit in real nice now because she's got a good look she wrestles well she moves well she's obviously very you know muscular and stuff like that and it was very apparent in this match and it was actually quite good seeing her and Edge team up there was a few kind of nice spots but on the whole it was kind of a very gimmicked tag team match and I liked Miz, I like Edge, but I kind of had no interest in this match and I was kind of waiting for it. I forgot it was going to be on and then I thought after the WWE title match, I thought, oh, cool, we got the Rumble next and then I can go to bed. But they had this match on in between, a little popcorn match, a little bit of a bathroom break match and they did some kind of cute husband and wife double team moves and that was kind of nice and Edge and Beth Phoenix pick up the win. Fun kind of novelty match, but nothing really special. Two out of five stars. Jimmy, you got much to say about this one? Uh, I disagree with you, actually. I, I think that um, I think that Marseille's really good. I think that she, her character's really good. She's got a character now, and I think her and Miz together 
are really obnoxious. Now, arresting ability isn't that great. Didn't expect it to be. Beth Phoenix is obviously the better wrestler, but she tried to be like too much like Edge. They came out in similar gear. They didn't really seem like they were husband and wife. They didn't hold hands. They didn't do anything. But I assume that obviously that was the reason they didn't do that is because the Miz and Marseille were Maurice. meant to be seen as obnoxious. Obnox, Marie, sorry, were meant to be seen as obnoxiously over the top. You know, we all were kissing and hand holding and oh, she slapped my face. But I think that. Maurice is a, is a much better performer in terms of her role, which is the sort of, you know, the spoiled, hot wife of The Miz and The Miz's facials and the way he wrestles is superb. I just think Miz and Edge have had some great matches, which they've already had. There's not much more they could have done. This mixed tag was just a gimmick. I think Beth Phoenix did pretty well she had that pony fucking like it, i don't mean pony as in shit i mean she looked like a pony a show <laughs> pony her hair i fucking hate the haircut <laughs> the, the, the fucking the the john morrison show pony haircut um and they just looked the same and it was like i said edge edge could wrestle the fucking broomstick so could miss there was no worries that they were going to be able to get the heat up and get the job done the two girls, I, I really did think Maurice was was more impressive for, for the show and the beats that she had to hit in terms of like, she did a lot of skullduggery in that match and skullduggery that you didn't see coming and, and stuff that worked, old school tag stuff that actually worked. Whereas, yeah, whereas sort of Beth Phoenix just sort of hung around quite a lot. I thought that Maurice was here, there and everywhere. I don't know, I, 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 it was all right. It was a mixed tag and like you say, it was uh, time to go for a piss before the rumble. Yeah, you're just looking at a slight extension of a feud that doesn't need extending. I'd like to see Beth Phoenix around more. Yeah, she is a good wrestler and she'd probably have some amazing matches with the likes of someone like Charlotte Flair and all, all the other ladies. In general, just didn't really do it for me that match. I'll give it. I'll give it a two star. It was popcorn filler. Can't really say much more than that. Um, I didn't even really like the finish. Like. I don't like that fucking move anyway. And also, it's like, Ed just turned around and gone, oh, darling, we'll finish with your move, sweetie. We won't finish with my fucking cool move. Do you know what I mean? I know he did. I know he did them all. But, like, the double spear, finish with that. Don't finish with a fucking silly whatever the fuck that is. Bomb. I suppose it's nice to just have a clean cut babyface tag team and a clean cut heel tag team. It was nice to be able to know who to cheer for and who to boo because, well, clearly WWE don't really know themselves. But anyway, moving on to the main event of the evening, what we were here for, the men's Royal Rumble match. Now I'll do the same as I did with the ladies one. I'll go through uh, entrances one through 30 and then we can talk about it afterwards. So number one, AJ Styles. Number two, Shinsuke Nakamura. In at number three, Austin Theory. Number four, Bobby Roode. But then Bobby Roode was taken out by AJ Styles after they had a little mini kind of TNA impact face-off. But then WWE put a kibosh to that. Next out was Ridge Holland. Then Nakamura was sent out by AJ Styles. Number six, Montez Ford. Number seven, Damian Priest. Number eight, Sami Zayn. Number nine, a little bit of a surprise hit, Johnny Knoxville from Jackass. I guess he came out to promote his movie. And then he got beaten up and thrown out by Sami Zayn. But then Sami Zayn was thrown out by AJ Styles. Number 10, Angelo Dawkins. Number 11, Omos. Dawkins was thrown out by Omos. So was Montez Ford. Number 12, Ricochet. Number 
13, Chad Gable. Damien Priest was then chucked out by Omos. Number 14 was Dominic Mysterio. Then uh, Omos was chucked out by basically everyone plus AJ Styles. Number 15, Happy Corbin. Ricochet was chucked out by Corbin. Number 16, Dolph Ziggler. Dominic Mysterio was taken out by Corbin. Austin Theory was out by AJ Styles. Number 17 was Sheamus. Rich Holland was taken out by AJ Styles. Number 18 was Rick Boogs. Uh, Chad Gable was chucked out by Rick Boogs. Number 19, Madcap Moss. And then AJ Styles was chucked out by Madcap Moss. Uh, at that point, I had AJ Styles as my winner, but that was, uh, alas, wasn't going to happen. Number 20, Matt Riddle. Then Rick Boogs was sent out by Happy Corbin. 21, Drew McIntyre. And then Drew McIntyre chucked out both Madcap Moss and Happy Corbin. In at number 22 was Kevin Owens. 23, Rey Mysterio. 24, Kofi Kingston. He tried a kind of save slash parkour thing but basically he did a springboard kevin owens pushed him off the top turnbuckle he tried to balance on the on the, on the ring barrier and then both his feet touched the floor and then he was out in like two seconds so unfortunately for kofi kinston he was out by kevin owens number 25 was otis number 26 big e number 27 another bit of a surprise bad bunny the uh, the rapper who we really liked at wrestlemania Sheamus was sent out by Bad Bunny, uh, so was Dolph Ziggler, and then Mysterio was sent out by Otis. 28, Shane O'Mac, and uh, Kevin Owens was sent out by Shane O'Mac. Randy Orton was in at 29. He's still over because he was in his hometown. Biggie went out, Otis went out, and then number 30, as we discussed earlier on, Brock Lesnar comes in and just chucks absolutely everybody out. So then we had a bit of a rematch from uh, WrestleMania, um, from the previous Royal Rumble, which was Brock and Drew McIntyre, they were the remaining two. Uh, but then Drew was thrown out of the Royal Rumble by Brock Lesnar, and Lesnar goes on to face Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. In my opinion, this was a very dull, paint-by-numbers, boring Rumble match until Brock Lesnar came in, basically. There was kind of barely any surprises, only like Shane O'Mac, but then as soon as he came out, I was like, don't really care about him. Johnny Knoxville, that was kind of fun and different. Like Bad Bunny, he's still great when he comes in and just hits Canadian destroyers on everybody because it's just funny. But it was kind of predictable and dull and boring, but I guess, uh, you know, it served a purpose and it served a story with Brock Lesnar going on to WrestleMania. So I'll give this match, if you can really rate a match like this, uh, two and a half stars out five i've talked too much jimmy star no 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 it's it's like the girls rumble like what do you say i mean aj styles had a good stint yeah uh, austin theory did really well i thought he was really good in it you know he wasn't lazy he was sort of selling and bumping all the time and always looked how he was meant to look was selling how he was meant to sell his psychology was on point I thought I even thought Happy Corbin did pretty good in this. He had a nice little deal in it. Even though I hate the gimmick, I do think he's a pretty good worker. I just think that he's got terrible gimmicks all the time. I don't know who the fuck Rick Boogs is. I never heard of that guy. He he's a, um, Shinsuke Nakamura's guitarist. I think he kind of hangs out with him, but I've never seen him as a single. Oh, he's strong. I'll give him that. But other than that, he was tossed. There was a few good performances. Matt Riddle had a good run in it which was cool and they tried to do a little little spot with a cutter in it which went quite which didn't go quite as well because again it's a rumble you don't really try spots like that in the rumble people get caught up in the ropes and all that shit but you know there was a nice little cutter spot there hopefully maybe they'll make that a finisher of some kind but or put it in their moveset um it was all right and i knew that brock was going to come out i knew that brock was not going to be in the wrestlemania main event it was obvious 
at least he seemed happy to be there and win it, which was which was good. So, you know, the crowd were with him. Um, it was just one of those things. It was it, the Royal Rumbles used to seem like really, really big events, and they used to be things that well, people do still look forward to them. But the WWE, especially over the past few years, have just seen them as a means to an end. Um, and since Pat Patterson's died and not had too much, um, you know, too much, well, I say since Pat <laughs> Patterson's died, not had too much to do with the Rumbles. He's had nothing <laughs> to do with them. He's dead. But um, since Pat Patterson's died and his uh, input hasn't been uh, particularly <laughs> sufficient uh, for my liking, um, in, in, you know, in, put, in putting the Rumbles together. In, yeah, la- just lazy. Yeah, yeah. Just fucking... Come to work and just do your job. Yeah, I know you're dead. You know, I know you've passed away to the to the other to the other land of the other side. But if you can get a day pass, come back and sort these fucking rumbles out because they're shite. There's no one backstage, agents, writers, whoever, for some reason with the knowledge who knows how to put an exciting rumble together. I heard that Shane O'Mac booked the rumble. But I don't know how yeah, that was like dirt sheet stuff, so I don't know how true that was. But if he did, it was atrocious. If that's the case, that's probably why he was in it. And one of the last four, it, it wasn't atrocious. It was a rumble, but you know, rumbles used not say they just used to be exciting, and they were one of the one of the main premium events. But now it just seems to be a means to an end, and that was what that match was. It didn't really make anyone because the guys who did well in it. Um, were guys that were sort of made anyway. I suppose aside from Austin Theory, who's who's making his way up the card, but there was no one in there that I sat there and watched and I thought, "Fuck, they're doing awesome." Do you know what I mean? Apart from guys like AJ Styles, who are who are good anyway. Like they don't need to prove to me they're awesome. I know they are. Don't need to prove to anyone they're awesome. No call eliminations. I think the thing with Kofi Kingston was one of those things where, right, this could fuck up. If it fucks up, it just means I'm eliminated. But, or if it goes well, it'll be good, um, you know, where he got pushed off the top rope. But it fucked up. And I think that uh, – I don't think that was meant to happen. Let's put it that way. I think that he was meant to make some kind of save. But it was a balls up, and that was it, really. Just because of the way he was hanging on there at the end and waiting for the refs just to check whether the cameras got it. And it was like, yeah, yeah, sorry, mate. You're fucked. you got to go back. <laughs> it's like, the whole I didn't fucking been anything for 30 seconds. Um, Johnny Knox, Johnny Knoxville looked like an old, old fucking old man in there. Yeah, it was crap for a Royal Rumble match. The WWE recently, sort of like with their premium live events, they've all been sort of okay. They've all been good, but none of them have blown me out of the war. They've all sort of been, they've just sort of, sort of been the same. And they fired a shitload of wrestlers, and yeah, all the wrestlers that I see constantly are the same wrestlers wrestling the same people or roughly the same people and doing the same kind of match. And like, it's why did they get rid of everyone? You know, it, it just become boring or like everything's the same. And the guys that they could do something with like Nakamura and Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziegler are still floundering around doing nothing. So there's no real in-depth synopsis I can give or you can give on these rumbles. Cause it was just four arm in the corner little bit of a spot when someone came in and Brock Lesnar fucking off you go to WrestleMania. Jobs are good. And I, you know, I, am I happy? Am I happy that Brock won? I'm happy that Brock wins everything. I'd love him to win everything. I'd love him to win the lottery. I think he's great. If you're looking for legitimacy, 
But if you're looking for something that was a surprise or going to get people talking, that ain't going to happen with Brock Lesnar winning the fucking Rumble again. Um, but is it is it is it the right choice? Probably. Who else have they got that's any any better? Well, when I think back to Rumble's past, and you know, I've got a few in my mind where I think like, was the Rumble match on a whole like really thrilling and interesting? And maybe not if I watch them back now, but like they had something that you could kind of cling on to. There's a couple. There was a, I think it was the the 2000 Rumble. So you had obviously the, you know, the bit at the end with the Rock and the Big Show going over the top at the same time. But then you had bits in there where you had like too cool. They come in and they cleaned house and they dance and that was kind of interesting and different. And then you had like another Royal Rumble where like Raven came down with weapons and that just kind of injected something different. You had like Sabu make up a table and get eliminated through a table. It's like, that was cool because it, it sort of broke up the monotony of like, you know, every 90 seconds somebody comes in, spot, 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 back to the corners, punch, punch, punch. Next person comes in, spot, 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 in the corner, punch, punch, punch. And then the one that I, I remember fondly, and I don't know whether the Rumble's very good or not, but I just remember it was CM Punk when he was doing his whole kind of thing, sitting down, doing promos. Like, he was in the Rumble in number one and basically eliminated that person, got a microphone, sat in the middle of the Rumble and just started, like, preaching to the choir about, like, why he's the best and, you know, all this kind of stuff. The next person comes in, he dumps them over, sits back down again and does a promo. It's like just something different, just inject something different into into the rumble rather than just have like a bunch of guys come in and fight and then one of them gets eliminated. A bunch more people come in and then two people get eliminated and you just build up and then you dump a few people out and you build up and you dump a few people out. It's like that is just kind of just boring. Like add something in there like, Omos comes in, have him eliminate everybody. And then it just leads, leads to have like people come in and have to like get around him. Like you have that whole thing with like Chad Gable where he's like the Alpha Academy. Like have him come down, then Otis come down and they have to figure it out because they're the big brained guys. Like they used to inject a bit of story in there rather than like, oh, Omos is in, he's dominating. And then, oh. Well, that was the answer they something. Yeah, that, that works sort of. You know, Omos got, I say Omos probably out of any of the newer guys got one of the bigger rubs because he did aim a few people out. So, you know, and, and so he should, he's a big motherfucker that sort of worked. But yeah, like you say, that was the only real thing I could think of where that actually stopped for a second and put a little bit of thought into it. But if you look at Royal Rumble's past, I watched them. I watched a few recently just to get an idea of the feel of the different stars and the way things worked and and how fucking cool they were so back in the day when i was watching wrestling as a kid or just started wrestling myself like royal rumble 97 to and 98 and 99 and 2000 and 2001 and 2002 were all great royal rumble matches they were superb especially 2001 which austin won but he came out, he was all bloodied and fucked up. He came out number 27 and I Triple H attacked him because I think he wrestled him earlier on in the night, I think, or cost him a victory or something. I didn't watch the whole pay-per-view. But he fucked him up. He was all bloodied up. And Austin came down to the ring, eventually got there, and it was just drama, just pure drama. It was the third Rumble that Austin won. Do you know what I mean? That didn't matter. It was still awesome. Austin won Royal Rumble 97 and 98 too. But they were still awesome rumbles. That 98 was where Mick Foley came back and he did Dude Love, Cactus Jack and, and Mankind all in one rumble. Fucking superb. Do you know what I mean? Just cool ideas like that. Honky Tonk Man was in one and got twatted with a guitar by Kane and Kane would just run roughshod on people. And, you know, they were fucking awesome. They were so good. And people, everyone had their sort of role in the rumble um and they they knew what they were doing like you kane knew that he was a big he, you know he never won a rumble 
but he eliminated the most people that's ever been in a Rumble, and he, he's had the most Rumble matches. So, you know, he knew what his role was. And then when you had Rock in there and Austin and, and Angle, you genuinely did not know what the fuck was going on. And I think that that's what's lost from the Rumble. I knew that Brock was going to win as soon as he lost that title. We knew that Ronda Rousey was going to win as soon as she was announced. Or if we didn't know, we were 90% sure. Back when I watched those Rumbles back in the day, when you had caliber of Rock, Austin, Triple H, all those guys, Kurt Angle, Kane, Undertaker, and many, many more who I can't think of, Jericho, fucking all these guys, you didn't know who was going to win the fucking Rumble. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was a surprise. It was a genuine surprise. So it was a nail-biter to see who would get to the who would get to the end. I couldn't say that either of these Rumbles had that same effect on me, you know? And that that's that's the problem. You, you genuinely need to be kept guessing right until the end. But unfortunately, as soon as that 30th entrant came out, you knew Brock was going to win. He's not going to WrestleMania without fucking having that title match, without having that big money match. Simple as that. There we have it, folks. Another episode in the can, and we're happy you came along on this journey with us. Thanks for listening, and let us know in the comments or on social media what you thought to our advertising spots. Find us at Falling Star Wrestling on Facebook and Instagram, or you can ping me a DM on IG. It's at PVC Pro Wrestler. If you want to help support the show, other than buying books about eating and sleeping, you can simply subscribe to the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast on your preferred podcast platform and leave us a tidy little five-star review. It helps more than you know, and it's free. We're invading Watlington on Sunday 20th of February at 4.30, then we'll be back the following Saturday, the 26th, in Westlin at the usual opening time of 6.30. Make sure you come back and check out a Falling Star Wrestling live show. But if we don't see you in the meantime, we will catch you next time for another edition of the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast. See you later. Uh, we have to cut that. Stop that.